Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we are a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And at the very end, we put something in our museum, just like Indiana Jones. By the way, this is just random thoughts here. Like, we're so big into this. Sometimes I buy movies just for the box art. Never even seen it. Oh, I, yeah. I've, I mean, I've been doing that since childhood. Like, I never... I never change. I never subscribe to the never judge a book by its cover. Well, I don't read, but never judge a VHS by its cover. <laughs> uh, and I always, I always just buy tapes if I like the cover. All right, man. What is our final animation in your animation month? We are looking at an American tale. Five will goes west. This holiday season, America's best loved tale Papa. continues. <laughs> As Steven Spielberg presents an American tale, Fievel Goes West, rated G, starts Friday. The second film of the Steven Spielberg American tale series. Now, when's the first time you watched this? This this particular Not one? Not this particular one, but like as a kid. Uh, Fievel Goes West or American Tale? Either one. Uh, so I saw Fievel Goes West first. That's interesting. In, in probably 1991, when it first came out on tape. Or yeah. So probably 92. 92. And I was two or three at the time, and this was just like a childhood movie. We are reviewing my VHS from 1991. <laughs> it has seen some weather. Yeah, that, that my history is with the first one. It wasn't until later into my childhood that I went back and watched the first one. Yeah, that one's uh, a lot darker. I remember thinking, this is good, but I like Five Will Goes West. <laughs> like, I remember thinking, like, this is a solid film. I like this movie. But I'm gonna I'm gonna want to rewatch Five Will Goes West. Yeah, I first saw the original one probably I don't know when I was like eight years old, so probably about 1990, and loved it because it was one of like I don't know maybe ten VHSs I had at my grandma's. Hmm. So it was one of those I, I had watched a lot, and it's funny going back in adult and rewatching it. You're like, whoa, wow, Don Bluth, you do not mess around. First one, there's you know he's not afraid to show kids uh, the darker side of life. Now this one I do remember when it came out, and I hadn't probably seen this since early '90s, '93, '94. It's been a long time, but I remember enjoying it as a kid. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to revisit this. I guess yeah, my history sort of with it too is like I was I was younger and I probably watched watched the shit out of this tape and just over and over and over as a kid but it was one of those movies when i became like kind of an older kid you know eight or nine or whatever i just sort of abandoned it and i was like this is for little kids i don't want to watch you know like when you get to that age like 10 years old you don't want to watch little kid stuff anymore and then it just sort of stayed tucked away at my parents house until we dug it up for this so i have not seen this in probably 20 years so it's kind of interesting but yeah it's like it's one of those that like i watched a lot as a little kid but then just completely abandoned later i pretty much the same thing probably watched this a decent amount and then just stopped yeah it just kind of it's not a you know it's not timeless it's not it's just one of those 
you know, it was there. It yeah, lived its, its moment. It's, yeah. It came out. I was a kid when it came out. It was four kids. So I saw it. You know, it was one of just those situations. And I liked it, even still being 10 years old and being like, I don't want to watch this. It wasn't because I didn't like it anymore. It was just because that's not what a 10-year-old boy is into anymore. That's all. Now, have you seen any of the other Amblin Entertainment animations that they did during this time period? Well, tell me what they are. <laughs> well, we now this is interesting. Amblin Entertainment, and if you don't, anyone doesn't know that, that was funded by Spielberg right. and others in 1981. That's why Spielberg's name is all over so many movies, like say Gremlins, Back to the Future, Goonies. Right. You know, it was his production studio, and they're still churning out some great hits. I mean, they're going. Yeah, Amblin's still around. That Amblin feel. I think people really got a nostalgia for it again uh, when Super 8 came out. Mm-hmm. few years ago and that's sort of what brought them back from the dead because they were kind of like slow during the the 2000s yeah they were slower. very numb uh but yeah and then in the, this time during 91 they were everywhere they were unstoppable <laughs> yeah after uh, american tale came out and then uh, land before time right with don oh, blue that's, that, that's when they paired up so then right after that they started amblin entertainment or amblin nation and they had Fievel in the actual logo. So they only made three films, mostly because they did very poorly for the amount of money that they spent. So An American Tale, Fievel Goes West, and We're Back, A Dinosaur Story was being developed at the same time. So it's very hard to find budgets on these things. But Balto, do you remember that from 95? That was their last one. Yeah, that was kind of a quiet movie, quiet release. Kind of came out on video. I remember watching it probably when it first came out and then like just sort of instantly forgetting it. Yeah, that's the movie that kind of killed this department. Uh, it folded right after that in 1997. Uh, they were going to do a Cats animation film, but uh, that fell apart because Balto cost $31 million to make and only grossed 11.3 total. Ouch. I like I like We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. I think that's a cute movie. I think it's a fun movie. Uh, I, I've never actually seen that. I like that one. Uh, it's a, I, I'm glad that that one made it out. It's, it's interesting because it was Spielberg and it was the same year mm. of release as uh, Jurassic. So it was during Dinosaur Fever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, sadly, it only made $9.3 million in the theater. And that was also one of the, like bombs that they had they had two big bombs in a row that just killed it but later on a lot of those animators and people went on to create dreamworks so it's not a total loss right i mean they learned their lesson yeah and then they came out with shrek and made a zillion dollars (laughs) (laughs) shrek there uh there's there's one we could talk about for a sec but what an overrated movie that is Oh, he's always landing something with his controversial <laughs> I actually am not a big Shrek fan either. Yeah. I, I enjoyed them when they came out, but they just kind of... That I, was it for me. I gave that one another shot. Because, I mean, a lot of the DreamWorks ones I I do like. How to Train Your Dragon a whole lot. Both of those movies and some of their other ones. And I was like, ah, maybe, maybe I was being too hard on Shrek when it came out. And then uh, <laughs> watched it and was like, I don't like this. <laughs> I remember laughing a lot at the second one, and that's really... I don't remember anything about Everybody the third. Everybody says the second one's better. I mean, I'm going to give the second one a shot, I think, still. Check, I'm gonna oh. That'll do, Donkey. That'll do. So, Matt, when you're walking around the VHS store, the video store, what made you rent this? So, here's, here's our cover. It is four corners. We've got Jimmy Stewart character top what's his name burp wiley Wiley burp Burp. 
Uh, we've got the Dom DeLuise cat in the one corner. We've got the sister Tanya mouse in the bottom corner and the uh, spider cowboy in the bottom right. And then, yeah, we've got, it's sort of like this wet, like that 90s, like southwestern look that like everything was for a minute there. Like I think of like theme parks too had like those, those backlot style western things where they would put on western shows or during a time period in the 90s where that like everyone was designing the interior of their home kind of western right right that's the look of this it's not like true western it's that like 90s faux kmart western (laughs) (laughs) which is fine which is fun like fun 90s nostalgia i'm not i'm actually not talking shit about that Steven Spielberg presents An American Tale, Five Will Goes West. An American Tale is almost small on here. Like, they want to pronounce that the title is Five Will Goes West. As a little kid, I thought that was the entire title. I didn't even know that it was called An American Tale, Five Will Goes West. I just thought it was called Five Will Goes West. (laughs) Yeah, to me, it looks like they're trying to create, like, American Tale as something always above, and then they'll introduce a new movie. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Amblin would have been successful and you would have had stuff like An American Tale yada 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 you know yeah. like about different a, yeah different, different characters yeah. yeah yeah but yeah so we see that like little bit of like that back back lot western town with Fivel with his pop guns in the uh, center just looking cute in sort of his cowboy outfit that we see him in his like dream sequence and then later in the film uh we actually get the credit block on the front of this one which is kind of a rare thing uh with the copyright in 1991 and the uh, mca universal home video logo stereo surround all on the front that's our front cover and there's enough going on on this cover that as a kid absolutely would have picked this up yeah as a kid this is so attractive i mean it it gives you everything like even the pop guns you're like ah close enough to real guns well even the pop guns it's like it's like me it's a mouse but it's like me i've got my pop guns in the backyard so now I see Universal's on this. Did Universal do every? Did they distribute everything for Amblin? I don't think they distribute everything, but I mean that was mostly. I feel like they had like a first look deal type thing. Okay. They did a lot of. Yeah. They did all the. They did all the animated ones that we were talking about. So they did the original American Tale, uh, We're Back, Land Before Time, all of those. And if you can't find this VHS to rent today, <laughs> you can go on to Netflix because they have all of them. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even know that these were on Netflix. Neither did I. They must have some type of deal. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if you look on the back, actually, it's copyrighted to Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment. So Amblin is not like a subsidiary of Universal. They are separate entities. So Yeah, it's got to be some type of contract, like you are saying. Like Yeah, they probably had a first look deal or something because so many of Spielberg's 80s and 90s movies came out through Universal. So mm-hmm. many of them did. He just must work well with them. Yeah, they, they actually seem like the easiest to work with. Uh, on the side here, it's uh, you've got the MCA Universal logo, which I love so much because I feel like I've seen that little logo on so many of my tapes. Like that instantly shoots me back to the 90s when I see that MCA Universal logo. And what does the MCA stand for? That's the company that like Comcast owns uh universal now it's a company that owned them in the 90s oh okay so like their their global whatever ownership but universal's obviously the distributor are you gonna read the synopsis right meow if you want me to (laughs) right 
right meow. Right meow. <laughs> yeah, so I'm picking this tape up. Uh, I'm I'm taking it home from the video store personally. Yeah. Get ready for the cat puns, people. I'm bringing them. <laughs> so we flip it over to the back. We've got a quote from Gene Shallot of the Today Show. Tip top, terrific, full of fun, a rollicking, endearing delight. It's a winner. Sure. We got four pictures. We got five of the cat. Uh, Wiley Burp and the evil cat who John Cleese plays in the film looking like he's about to cut Fievel because he's like wielding a knife which is kind of a funny picture that you could only get away with on like a, an animated movie in the 90s because that would not fly today um, here's our description it's pretty long this is like a four paragrapher so let's let's see if we can get through this together <laughs> Presented by Steven Spielberg, this delightful animated feature continues the adventures of Fievel, the brave young mouse who captured the hearts and imagination of audiences in An American Tale. The Mousekowitz family discovers the streets of America are not all paved with cheese, and living in a mouse tenement does not offer the life they hoped for. Young Tanya dreams of becoming a famous singer, and Fievel wants to become a tough law dog like his hero Wiley Burp. Lured out west by the crafty entrepreneur Cat R. Worrell, Fievel discovers the evil gentleman's true plans to turn settlers into mouse burgers. Enlisting the aid of his cat friend Tiger, the two team up with the legendary Wiley Burp to stop the feline's feline gang's dastardly plot. Thrills and laughs come together in this heartwarming family film featuring the voices of James Stewart, John Cleese, Dom DeLuise, Amy Irving, and an engaging original score, including the unforgettable Dreams to Dream, sung by Linda Ronstadt. Color, one hour, 15 minutes, G. I should point out that this description goes, like, all the way to the bottom of the tape. <laughs> and you read it perfect. Thank you. Number you're just, two. You're going to do that. All right, we'll have a drinking game for how many cat puns are made. Well, this movie does the exact know, same yeah, thing. It's... it's definitely an early uh, version of that because <laughs> yeah. i feel like that's all movies do now aren't <laughs> like bad puns it's yeah. easy it's an easy thing to put in a script just yeah throw them in there some old man or some old woman's gonna read it and be like haha my kids would love this <laughs> let's buy this script that's a movie that's the box i'm in i'm ready to watch it i feel like i feel like i'm intrigued enough feel like they give away a little bit too much on the back but i'm in i feel like you read me the entire story <laughs> i i fell asleep for a second but uh-huh. i came right back because i knew i had to get a cat pun in there nice nice all right let's put this tape in and now our feature presentation what trailers did we get in this one matt nuns son of a bitch nuns we've, we've been having a dry spell of trailers lately i know it's rough i mean people come to us from all around the world to listen to these random trailers on these VHSs, and we are disappointing everyone. I mean, we're, we're warning them. We're like, hey, if you're going to buy these tapes looking for nostalgic commercials and VHSs, these ones aren't going to have it. Yeah, I don't... I wish I knew, <laughs> like, how to tell if there was VH... You know, if there was good trailers on it by just looking at the box. That's my superpower I want. You want a superpower that tells you if that tape has good trailers or not? Exactly. That would be nice, but... We're doing this service for it, people. We're giving the people that superpower. That's true. That's true. (laughs) All right. So let's break down this movie. Fievel and his family get kicked out of their apartment by cats. The whole plan is the cats are going to use them to build something, and then the cats are going to eat them. Right. Cats are going to use them to build, like, a city, 
out west mm-hmm. to lure all the mice out there, and then they're going to eat all the mice. That's sort of their... Catbur- like the mice burgers. Right, mouse burgers. Mouse yeah. burgers, yeah. And yeah, that's that's basically the idea of the movie. What and of I, course, Fievel gets lost again. Right, yeah. He goes off on his own adventure or whatever from the rest of the family. What I, what I will say is what I like about this one starting off, you do not need to see the first one to get into this one. No. It starts you right off and tells you everything you need to know, and you're good. You're off and running. Yeah, I think they did that on purpose because obviously Don Bluth wasn't working Don Bluth's studio wasn't working on this one, so it was going to be different. Yeah. So maybe it was just like, ah, we'll throw the family in there real quick, we'll see the, the cats attack, and, you know, Fievel Mouskovitz, which was played by Philip Gasser, I have no idea who that is. No. But I've heard his voice before, so I think he's just a voice actor. Yeah. I don't know if he actually did any acting. I didn't bother looking up anything on him. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> We're I, good. I don't care. Because I really just cared about a few characters in this. But I will complain about the dad. When he's just like, oh, America's hard. I'm trying to sell these violins and blah, blah. I'm like, shut up, dad. No one's going to buy violins. That's why we're broke. (laughs) Get a real job. (laughs) It's like, stop complaining and start making shit that people will buy. Like, I don't know. What do mice buy? Cheese? Make cheese-related things. And they wanted to eat brie. Brie seems a little little pricey. Maybe uh, why don't you go down to the, you know, like mild cheddar. Yeah. American cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Government cheese. But, uh... You gotta make sacrifices for this family. (laughs) We get sort of that, like, really kind of depressing American tale style of drama at the beginning of the movie. And then the movie almost turns into what I would describe as, like, uh, again, I use this with, like, the, the description of the town. But basically, like, a theme park version of like a western like you have the crazy uh sewer scene which feels like a universal ride uh where they're going you know as they're escaping the cats they go down a sewer and they ride the waves and it feels like a universal ride Mm -hmm. and then like once they get out west to the town it feels like something like a like a fievel land which I'll get into in the behind the scenes, but it feels like a Fievel land in Universal Studios. Don't they have a playground? They do. Yeah. And I'll talk about it because okay. I've been there. <laughs> I have not. I visited Universal and did not see that. That's I, very, I, I very played scary. in it. We'll talk about yeah, it. Okay. We'll talk about it. But uh, yeah. So, but we get introduced. It feels very theme parky. When they escape into the sewer, well, I guess before that, the whole point, we do get introduced to the main baddie in this. We have Cat Arwal, which is voiced by John Cleese, which I think you read in that giant synopsis where I had a coma, and then I came out of it. Yes. So, he's great. He's wonderful in this movie. He is... There's two characters in this that I find great. It is Tiger, which is voiced by Don DeLuise, and then, you know, we have John Cleese. Those two characters, my only problem with Cat Arwal is the payoff at the end, and we'll get to it. doesn't really feel like anything happened that bad to the villain for no. what... I mean, he was going to do a horrible thing. He was going to eat all of them. Yeah. Well, I don't mind if a cat eats a mouse. That's just nature. But when you use them... Yeah, to build a, a mouse land for all the mice to come and then eat them all... It's a little fucked up. That's wretched. <laughs> that's, but, that's catastrophic. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> Three! 
every time every time John Cleese or uh, Dom DeLuise's characters are on screen, I can't take my eyes off the screen. And yeah. they're not even acting. It's just voice acting, but they're great at their parts. Yeah. Well, I mean, so did you feel in this that Tiger is in a different movie for like three-fourths of it? Where you're like, so did someone have a really good idea about Tiger getting kidnapped by Native American mice and then almost being eaten and then pulling basically a Star Wars thing where they think he's a god? <laughs> they think I'm their tiger god. <laughs> uh, how lucky can you get? <laughs> I mean, how did they know I was a vegetarian? It's funny how your appetite perks up when you find out that you're going to eat dinner instead of be dinner, you know? <laughs> Innkeeper, more wine! Yeah, I think that and, like, what I just think when it comes down to it, too, I think he is the Looney Tunes character of this movie where everybody else is sort of almost reality-based. Yeah, they're talking animals, but they're more real. He's, like, very elastic. He's very, like... Bugs Bunny like he's he's very like the Looney Tunes and you know it, it reminded me of Tiny Tunes right and that was Spielberg like Spielberg yeah. kind of did Looney Tunes the best in the 90s with like Animaniacs and Tiny Tunes so he feels like that character yes I I do I, I mean part of it it, it irritated me because I go well this is really killing the whole flow of this movie even though I enjoyed Tiger's character on its own I also felt going back to Fievel is this even a Fievel movie? No, is it's a Fievel... side character movie. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, that's why, like, this this movie doesn't really... It has a beginning. It kind of has a middle, but it doesn't really feel like it has an end. Like, I feel like this script feels not... It needs another polish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can totally see that. It is... It's... I kept thinking throughout the movie, and this is probably pacing and just like some of the choices the movie makes. It's a weird movie. Yeah. It's a weird, some weird choices, some weird ways we get from A to B, some weird roundabout ways we get yeah. from A to B in the movie. But like, it is, it is truly a bizarre film. Yeah, I forgot Tiger was in the original. I don't know why. I just did. And I think because they had, he had a different look. Remember he had that giant M on his shirt in the original one? This one, Tiger, just feels like a, I don't know, something was wrong. Something was off. Because I did go back and watch An American Tale after watching this. So I did this the Little Matt style. I watched watched Five Goes West and then went back. And we'll talk about that when I get into Don Bluth and my little love of Don Bluth animations. So going through these characters and then getting to Miss Kitty, which was voiced by Amy Irving, which is Spielberg's ex-wife. <laughs> Shh, it'll get awkward if we talk about that. Yeah, don't tell him. Spielberg's listening. Yeah, since he listens to all of our episodes. We dug Ready Player One. Well, Steve didn't. I did. Send me money. <laughs> Send Matt lots of money. <laughs> Because they'll probably eventually fall over to me, hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Be like, don't tell Spielberg, but here's a 20. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> so, uh, Miss Kitty, talk about Tiger really uh, hitting a home run here with Miss Kitty. That, I right. mean, she's out of his league. Right. And, like, he knows it. And yeah. he's like, how is this happening? But he is, one on, to his credit, he is 100% himself the whole time during that. And she loves it for some reason. Well, until he pretends to be a dog. 
but he's still dorky and he's still himself. Like he's still he's playing yeah, yeah he's playing himself as a dog. <laughs> like he yeah. still stays true to his goofy roots and she loves him for it. So. Now, did you find the the connection between Cat Arwal and was it Tanya? Fifel's sister, Tanya, yeah, which Tanya, had the grand yeah. voice by Kathy um, Cavadini. I don't know who the hell that was. Yeah. I don't know if she sang it, too. I don't know if they got a singer. I really, you know, we should really do our research. No, it's fine. <laughs> Fuck it. It's fine. It's a <laughs> they'll 90s. do it. If they're listening it's an to early it. early 90s. Like if, they, if they care enough, they'll do it. <laughs> but anyway, so the dynamic between Carol Wall and her, where he's just like, don't hurt the talent, the diva. Trigger the mousetrap. <gasps> it's a giant mousetrap. It's a giant mousetrap! They're, they're gonna squash the mice! Oh, now! Uh, you see? You're not a mousetrap! Stop! You'll crush the diva! Please! Oh, no, not everybody! Not for you, Freeze, you miserable vermin! Yeah, because it, basically her dream, because Fievel has the dream of being like a Western gunslinger her dream is to be like a singer and like out west all the dreams come true so they go out west and cat Arwal brings her up to basically be like a star singer he like makes good on his word and like helps her be a star and he like nurtures the talent but there is something creepy there yeah okay th- this is what i'm trying to get to yes what is this is this like a weird creepy love vibe thing or i, I don't feel like it's sexual which is good I never got a sexual thing, that but it was weird. It was like weird though. It was like creepy uncle syndrome. It was like, eh, you're building me up a little bit too much. You're nurturing me a little bit too much. It was weird. I did like Miss Kitty though, taking in the mouse right away. Now, so is Miss Kitty and Tiger, do they not eat meat or just they won't eat mice? I just don't think they eat mice. Okay. I think they're just I, sworn off mice. That's all. I just, th- I just didn't Well, wait, know. no, he's a vegetarian. Yeah, he Tiger's says he a is. He says yeah. he is. I don't know about what her story is, because I've only seen the first one once in the nineties. But <laughs> he is, says he's a vegetarian. He only eats vegetables and fruits. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just wondering about that yes. because she like takes on that mouse right away, and Miss Kitty's like, "Oh, honey, we're gonna pretty you up. And yeah. You're, you're gonna take the stage by storm." Yeah. I also sort of felt like with the, those scenes where he was building her up and we see sort of like this world where like Miss Kitty is one of the performers and Tanya is one of the performers, it felt more instead of like, hey, we're coming to the show, come see these women, it felt more like they were running a whorehouse and they were the prostitutes there, which is something very Western, which is yeah. something which is a trope from Westerns, like going to the the saloon and then going to the bordello afterwards. This felt like a bordello, which maybe solidifies that like the relationship between the cat and her wasn't sexual, but maybe he was her pimp. And that's where things still get a little concerning because she's a child. <laughs> Oh, man, I never even thought about that, but you're completely right. That's the feel I got immediately when we got to those The scenes. cat house? Yes, cat. it's a cat house. Like, come on, guys. Like, it's right there. Well, you all know you stayed up late and watched that on Saturday night on HBO. Don't you lie to me. Uh, yeah, I've seen probably every episode. <laughs> Would never lie about something like that. I, um, I was talking to the mic, but I love how you're me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, you just, broke. You're like, I did it. I did it. I did it. And I'm not ashamed about it. Anyway, yeah, it's a cat house. And there, 
one thing to this movie's credit I will give it is that there's a lot of like adult humor in here as well and not in like the typical Disney way where it's like nudge nudge wink wink we're talking about a penis more just like it just would go over kids heads like it's not necessarily sexual all the time but it's very adult it's very dry too yeah the dry humor I saw especially with Cat Arwal uh, I mean John Cleese is just like constantly like when he's about to eat Fievel covers Fievel I think with like mustard or something like that very Looney Tunes I guess that just didn't scare us as kids back then but yeah. like for one second I was like woo this could get grim yeah and I mean even even the stuff with like the family losing their house and being sort of tricked into going cross country and then once they get there it's extremely disappointing it's very adult it's very adult now, in the first movie, he gets lost when they're going to America and they're going to the Statue of Liberty and he finds it. So I get the first time you lose your kid. But this kind of has Home Alone 2 syndrome. When you lose your kid twice... You're just bad parents. You're just bad parents because the the dad just... They look at Fievel when he falls off the train. They're like, there he goes. And I'm like, you don't, like, ask the train to... St- what the fuck? You don't, what are you I doing? Will, I will say, I think... This movie, and maybe I'm just defending it, but, like, I think what's happening here is every time he goes off from the family, the family understands he's about to go on his own adventure because he's done it before in the last movie. So they just kind of let him go, which is still not good parenting, but I feel like they know he's, like, alive and gonna be fine. They're like, oh, he's doing his Fievel thing where he does his side adventure. I think you're just letting the writers off. With I, the, I think like, I am, yeah, but, yeah. like, I that's my, like, sort of excuse for the sequel. Because this whole thing is wrapped around, like, guys, we've got to make money with these animations. We lost Bluth Productions. Let's just regurgitate what he did with his story in a way. Let's put this in, like, a show tunes, western bs fluff so we can make money that's what this movie ultimately feels like they're just cashing in on the first one because they know they can make a buck and, and i'm not saying that the animation's good and the everything yeah incredible the animation's actually. good voice acting is superb and we haven't even got to james stewart which i actually think is one of the weaker voice acting in this well he's dying excuse me mr dog I was wondering if you could give me some help. <coughs> you know, I, I, oh, another tumbleweed asked me for help. Oh, oh no, not again. Not again. I, I, know, <laughs> I know he's 158 years old when he did this, but... At a certain point, you got to talk to yourself like, uh, is this name worth it? Because it's like he can barely finish a line sometimes. Right. right. And it worries me that, like, they were propping him up like yes. a mannequin during his voice sessions. Yes. Like, I was genuinely concerned for Jimmy Stewart during this movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just hold it in, buddy. Just let, let, uh, let Tiger talk. Yeah. I was worried about him. I honestly was worried about him the whole film. Yeah. Uh, I But just like overarching what you're saying, I'm going to disagree with the cash-in. I feel like it does enough stuff. It does feel like they're selling me a theme park ride, which yeah. is, is probably more than likely the case. But I think the story does enough weird side things. And, uh, you know, it's more Fievel's adventure than Fievel finding his way home. It's more Fievel finding himself this time, which I like. So 
Well, I I, mean, I, de- I will defend that. Uh, I I think I like I like this way this sequel went as opposed to yeah. just just regurgitating the first one. And while I came off kind of aggressive with it, I don't have a problem with fluff. I I mean, come on, <laughs> look at we are, every yeah. every yeah. fucking thing we do is fluff. But yeah, <laughs> but this one I just took a little personal because of Don Bluth and how much I like his his early animation. But this movie felt rushed. And it took four years to, de- you know, they started developing it in, like, 89, and this came out, what, 92? 91. 91. So two years. Right, yeah, two it, to three it, years. It feels kind of rushed, because a lot of animations will take three to four years. This, to me, it, it didn't. It didn't feel rushed. It feels it feels strange, like they're making a lot of weird choices. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the but script I don't feels know. rushed. But, see, I didn't feel like, I can, I... When I feel a rushed script, I'm like, woof. <laughs> Sometimes it punches you in the gut with how like rushed it feels. This just felt more like they were maybe on a lot of drugs or something at the time when they were making the see, odder choice. And it's just how see, I felt. I mean, I, I get it with some type of the odd things that they do, especially the whole tarantula character, which, by the way, John Lovitz always love him as a voice actor get him in more things yeah. as much as you can also uh, kind of kind of un, like unrecognizable a little bit too yeah in this tr chulula no wait tarantula tr chula chula yeah i have it written down i could look at it but i refuse <laughs> <laughs> chula yeah fun character yeah, I like this character. Uh, I don't get it, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, to to me, this like when I was saying the script is rushed, I'm coming at it from like it feels like they don't really quite know where to go with this because it starts off with the dark, you know, like life's hard, mm-hmm. and then it goes off to like a crazy theme park, and then we've got Tiger who's captured by little Native American Indian. In a, in, a, in a very racially insensitive scene at this point in time. Aw, oh, come on, fellas. I'm just a mangy old cat. I don't taste good without, you know, ketchup. No, 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 ma'am. I'm not your color. Could we just have an espresso and talk this over, please? <laughs> How do you do? Anama supanayata numsab umasaya koptab umanuma soratayate. Not in the nineties, son. But it, but loved it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was highly entertaining. <laughs> yes, a little offensive, probably now. Yeah, sure. But for the nineties. Super fun scene. We're gonna Trump rule it. If it's offensive, you better make it entertaining. And it it was. It was fun. It was a fun scene. We just lost four viewers. Uh, I mean, <laughs> all I'm, Native American. I'm not. I'm not defending the choice. I'm just saying, at least it's fun. <laughs> like, I laughed. Yeah, I thought it was. A I fun laughed scene. uncomfortably too during the scene. I go, Ugh. yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't hold up anymore. But it's a funny scene. It works. It still works. And you could tell it's not born out of a place of malevolent hate they just didn't know any better that was still okay in the 90s i i don't remember what they did 
offensive to it because when I was watching this, I was doing the uncomfortable laugh. I can't even yes. remember what they did. I felt uncomfortable well, about <laughs> when he's when Tiger's hanging upside down and he has that line, "How are you?" and I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> that's probably just Don Deluise. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, but I was just like, "Ouchies!" Like, can't do that anymore. And then Spielberg came by. He's like, "I love that line. Keep it. Keep it." Yeah. No. But at the same time, I feel like as like a three-year-old watching this, that was probably the funniest thing I ever heard oh, at the time. Probably. <laughs> if we would have been in the theater, we'd have been like, "Ah!" <laughs> I love it when little kids kind of laugh like old men. Yeah, when they just get so tickled they can't yeah. handle it. That would have been the moment yeah. for me. <laughs> But honestly, like, Dom DeLuise's whole character, Tiger, it almost feels like he's, like, improv ripping, like, a la Robin Williams, like, in Ferndale. Yeah. And they, like, sort of animated around him just sort of riffing, which is great, actually. I feel like Dom DeLuise kind of was the last generation's Robin Williams because it's, it when you see him, like, on the uh, old uh, Johnny Carson or um shit am i thinking about johnny carson or uh the old singer that he used to go on the show with dean martin yeah the dean martin show when they'd show him on there just like drunk and giggling yes i feel like you couldn't control dom yeah and it's wonderful yeah it's like fun to watch in like an animated form just like loose cannon uncontrolled dom deluise just riffing and being silly as hell it's really fun to watch yeah, I have. I've seen him in some bad movies from the, like, 90s. Oh, yeah, like when, the late 90s when he just started doing, like, really bad spoof movies. Yeah, he reminds me of, like, what Nick Cage is doing now where he's just like, I'll do anything, fuck yeah, it. He, yeah, he pretty much said yes to everything at near the end of his career here. Yeah. Uh, Except Nick Cage is doing it because he owes money yes, <laughs> to Nick the Cage government. Yes, Nick Cage has to. <laughs> There's a, there is a spoof movie from, I believe it's, like, 1991 or 92 with Dom DeLuise called Silence of the Hams. Which is hilarious, hysterical spoof comedy. And it's basically just like a airplane-like spoof of Silence of the Lambs. But Dom DeLuise is one of the main characters in it, and he fucking just is doing his, like, improv riff shit the whole movie. It's hysterical. I, check it out. I mean, out. I, I might have to check that out, because there, there is something I know some people will think Don DeLuise is just goofy and, like, absurd. You can't, you just can't take him. He's only for a certain crowd. And that crowd is me. I don't yes. know why. Oh, yeah. and oh, I'm in that fan club, too. It it's, works. It, it's some type His of His stupid weird... humor works on me. Yeah, it's like he's sitting there just blasting off nonsense, and it's dumb. And it's it's coming in one ear, and I go, this is so dumb. But it's not leaving the other ear. Yeah, it's you're staying. laughing. You're laughing. <laughs> like They're like, this is so dumb. <laughs> I like That's what I love about this character in this movie, is that it, it is just Dom DeLuise. Like, at this point. That's all it is. Like, it's just him being himself, and it's great. Overall, yeah, I mean, they, they sort of, they go out to the Western town. You have the Western showdown. That's how we, like, unceremoniously lose. Kadar Wally just gets shot into the air, and that's it, you know? Uh, and then he lands on the woman's lap, and he's, he's she's taken like... He's in, yeah. Yeah, she does the, oh, Where you're she my baby! screams, pussy, pussy, pussy as many times as she possibly can to the point at which it starts making me like she's rubbing the cat in her tits and screaming pussy, pussy, pussy. And I'm like, revenge. Oh, no. 
I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I might have to rip that from this VHS just so you guys can hear. Yeah, because it was like, even I was like, oh, are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, that's sort of how his like story ends, and that's kind of how they end the movie. After it's the, very the, the, yeah, anticlimactic. Yeah, like, they sort of have the last shootout, which they which they sort of foreshadow at the beginning of with Fievel's dream. Um, and then, yeah, they, they like just sort of wrap it up real quick. But overall... I would say I think this is a cute movie, and I like it. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. It's it's an early 90s kind of safe animation. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little yeah, weird. Yeah, but I, I feel like a lot, like when we go back and watch them, we forget how weird some of it was because they were all challenging each other. You <laughs> yeah, know? they were all whole weird at this time. Yeah, so it was like, it's a nice little period of like just weirdness. Yes, but for, yeah, I will agree it's with because you. Disney, for that time, yeah. it was safe. Little Mermaid came out a couple years before. Disney went right back into dominance, especially during this, which we'll get behind the scenes here when this was released. But it was like that weird period of time where Disney wasn't exactly dominating animation. So you got all these production companies coming out with weird. I mean, Fern Gully mm-hmm. is just odd. Yeah. It's, I, it's you know, an okay movie in my opinion, but it's odd. Yeah, no, I, I loved all of these odd, like, like we're back. Uh, oh, that's uh, another, show. yeah. Like, I loved all these odd animated movies uh, that came out at this time. It was so fun. It was such a fun time for these. And, like, going back and watching stuff like Fern Gully and Five Volt, I like these movies, but I think they're still, they hold up to a certain extent. They're a little, yeah, yeah they're a little softer, a little tame story-wise, but, like, they do yeah, enough weird it's... stuff that I'm into it. You know, it's not iconic. It's not timeless. You know, it's not Beauty and the Beast and all that. Mm. It's just a perfectly fine animation. That's it. That's my opinion on it. It's fine animation. And I, I take I take Five Goes West uh, over any uh, thing that's coming out now, pretty much. <laughs> any, like, I mean, I guess I like, like, the Leica stuff. Yeah, I but, can't go that far. But I mean, like, th- there's been some pretty good animations to come yeah. out. Yeah. Like, but there's maybe they have. Have you heard of this one? It's called Toy Story Three. Oh, Toy Story Three! <laughs> not a fan. Fern Gully did it better. Uh, <laughs> still think that's one scene. One scene. Still think that scene is a ripoff, though. But uh, yeah, I yeah, I mean, I'll take I'll take Amblin Nation over Pixar any day. I said well, it. Not not many, <laughs> not many people did because they closed shop. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'll take Land Before Time. I'll take We're Back. I'll well, see, that's what's interesting. American Land Bef- Tale. Uh, American Tale and Land Before Time, We're that before. Was, was before this. Mm-hmm. It's what set up right. this whole thing going on. I mean, on. like, all of that stuff yeah. from that time, not just yeah. the Amblination titles. We'll talk more about that behind the scenes. Let's get to it. Hey, Caterwaul, we've come to close you down. Okay, chaps, it's become necessary to put these dogs through obedience school. Kill? Oh, look out behind you, kid. Behind the scenes here. Now, let me tell you how much I prepared for the behind the scenes. Like, I just watched the movie. Most of my notes. I have three pages of notes here, (laughs) folks. I love... Don Bluth Studios when they first started doing their animations back when he left Disney and they defected. Uh, have you heard about the, you know, okay, the walkout yeah. and everything? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, Don Bluth was working for Disney and so was his partner. And they're like, ah, we can do better. Uh, his partner was Gary Goldman. 
and they walked out and he became their uh gary goldman became their producer don bluth the director and animator in these studios which they opened and they did anything they could to survive because you know they did dragon's lair the video game they did space ace and then one of my favorite all time the secret of nim which is basically just mice you know like yeah, also <laughs> yeah. mice yeah so it's that's which i've actually, never seen so he pitched I've never it seen. oh never seen that's like don bluth's art film never seen it i because they did so much cool shit in it now of course it didn't make much money at the time and it basically killed the studio for a while because that's why they started doing video games like oh shit we need revenue <laughs> because apparently no one wanted to see this art film that was awesome but it did pick up a cult status and now it's very popular amongst animators or anyone a fan of animation or 80s movie fans oh that too yeah yeah it's got a crossover appeal i love it i own that on blu-ray dvd i don't own it on vhs and i'm yet. kind of embarrassed yet, yet. <laughs> so that's a tough one i have never i don't think it would be tough but i've never seen it out in the wild I've never. I didn't know that it was something so special. So now I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, sometimes don't like Spielberg's animation. It's. I love his films. We. You know that. Mm. Sometimes the animation gets a little too goofy to me. A, a little too safe for kids. Kind of like where he doesn't want to spook them. Don Bluth is the exact opposite. If you've seen a Don Bluth movie. He is not afraid to show kids the darkness so they can appreciate the light. Sometimes he's a little zany with his ideas, but I think him and Spielberg, when they combined, even though they fought a lot in An American Tale and Land Before Time, they made timeless classics. Those two films are just like, if you have a catalog of animations, that animated films that you need to watch, both of those are in there. Right. They're timeless. They're iconic sadly it didn't work out because i think don bluth says it's not that he didn't want to work with spielberg it was because of the money that's why he didn't work on this and when i put in this film before looking any of this up i was like you know matt said this is a don bluth film so i'm just and it took 10 minutes i'm like not a don bluth film yeah i just i just assumed because i knew the first one was i yeah. just assumed i didn't know Hey, I mean... And I haven't seen it in 20 years, so I didn't even yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad at you. I was just like, oh, yeah, mistakes happen. Whatever. <laughs> so I, I don't want to get any more into Don Bluth, but man, I hope we do a Don Bluth film soon. Yeah. I mean, Land Before Time, American yeah. Tale, Secret of Nim. You could even do All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. Which had rumored scene where he actually made a hell animation, yeah. and he kept it. Nice. He apparently posted it on Twitter. Oh, nice. So I, I don't I don't have that Twitter. I have a Twitter. I just never go on it. I don't know how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> We're old men yes. here. We're, uh, he's I don't 20, understand the kids. He's 28 going on 50, and I'm 35 going on 100. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> going into the production of this was pretty interesting because... Don Bluth is like, well, I need more money. Universal's like, no, you need to do this money for the same amount we gave you for the first one five years before. And he's like, no, that means I'd have to fire some animators. I either get them more money or I'm not doing it. So he didn't do it. Uh, A lot of other people have been like, yeah, he didn't want to put up with Spielberg's bullshit. Hmm. With Spielberg very much pushed safe, cutesy fun. And Don Bluth was opposite. 
That's why, again, I think they were a great match. They were, they reigned each other. Yeah. To make them the best that they could be. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean... That, that's like when Spielberg works as a producer with great directors like Goonies, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. Gremlins, even Super 8. They make... They elevate the material because they help each other out. Yeah, and I, you know what? It's really weird. I always feel like Spielberg is two different people when it comes to his live action and his animation. He feels very much different. And I'm not saying with how people have talked about working with him. I'm just saying, like, his attitude towards it. With the live action, he's not afraid to show kids the darkness. I mean, he d- look at all the movies yeah. that he did with it. But in his animation, he kind of just goes a 180 with that. Well, he, he, like I mentioned when we were talking about this, he does, like, the Looney Tunes style mm-hmm. yeah. very well in the 90s. Because Looney Tunes wasn't a thing in the 90s. It was Spielberg's Looney Tunes in the 90s. He did Tasmania. He did... Uh, Animaniacs. He Welcome did to Tiny Tasmania. Tunes. Welcome yeah. to Tasmania. He did all those, and that was very. That's his style of mm-hmm. kids, and I fucking loved it as a child. I watched all of those oh, shows: yeah. Tiny Tunes, Tasmania, Animaniacs, Animani- Transylvania, Tunes, Toonsylvania, Toonsylvania, all those. Like I ate that shit up as a kid. I loved. It those was shows. fun. Yeah, but like that's fine to do a TV series. I mean, that's what you should. Yeah, have fun going into this. This movie was directed by two different men, Phil Nibblink, which was a Nibblink. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Seems like it is. He's a former Disney animator, but the one that I found fascinating was Simon Wells, which is H.G. Wells' grandson. I was like, oh, that's why this has got weirdness in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that until uh, this thing called Wikipedia. You heard of it? No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's uh, correct. Or, or yeah, I don't know if it's up. I don't know if it's gonna catch on this Wikipedia. And also, you don't know if that's made up. Somebody could have just edited Wikipedia to say yeah, that, could've. and we're just sharing that information like it's fact. <laughs> Keep but, listening to us. We know all the truths. This is this is Trump's America, baby. Yeah. Facts are useless. That's right. So, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they changed uh, Fievel's sister. They gave her a ponytail and bangs and everything. They like did her up a little bit. She looks like a '90s girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, you got to do what you got to do. It was interesting. John Lithgow and Martin Short were both considered for Cat Arwal. That one actually had a reference thing on it, so it was true. I can't see... I mean, John Lithgow, he's awesome. He can, he do, can, what, he he can, can do whatever. Anything. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine, I would be fine with that. But Martin Short, I was like, uh, Too silly. No. Martin yeah. Short would have... If you didn't get John Lovitz, Martin Short would be a fun spider guy. Yeah, I could see that. Now, this is interesting... <laughs> So John Cleese, who voiced Cat Arwal, he turned down the role of Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast for this role. Wow, he's probably like, fuck! <laughs> yeah, instead Cogsworth went to Peoria, Illinois' own David Allen Ogden Steers. I don't know, man, that's a long freaking name, but you'll remember him from MASH. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... I mean, he was great, Cogsworth, so yeah. I'm kind of glad. But I bet, oh, are we going to have a fight on Beauty and the Beast here? Because I'm about to get into Beauty and the Beast. <sighs> okay, go ahead. Say it. These two movies came out in the same day. How stupid is that? Oh, my God, really? I mean, I'll say my controversial thing in that I think I like Five of Goes West more than Beauty and the Beast. I'm done! This podcast is over! But I, do, I, I don't dislike Beauty and the Beast. I like that movie. I like that movie. I actually do like that movie. But I, I'm more... I'm more you know me. I'm more fun, whimsical. I like more of that. Beauty and the Beast is a little bit too more too prestige for me. I'm a I'm a gutter trash kid. I like just goofy. Oh yeah, it's the opera of animation. 
I mean, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's and I do like that movie. I do, but I am more partial to stuff yeah. like this because this is just stuff I like. I've said this to certain people, but Beauty and the Beast script is perfect. Like there is no wasted word. It is just a beautiful script. Like it, it's just the movie flies by. The music is perfect. The the character development, everything about that movie is just. It's. I mean, that's why it was a, in the fucking Oscars. See now, for Disney, I feel that way about Little Mermaid. I think Little Mermaid is just a perfect yeah, film. I think Little Songs Mermaid. Songs are great. Yeah. The script is great. The voices are great. This the the look of that film is great. The way people regard Beauty and the Beast is the way I regard Little Mermaid, which is not like that far off. They're still both considered classics. No, I like, mean when we were, I like Little Mermaid like that. I think that movie's perfect. I mean when we were growing up, Disney made their like massive run of Little Mermaid. You had Beauty and the Beast, you had Aladdin, and then you had the Lion King. You're like, Jesus, Disney, yeah. calm the fuck down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, like, as much as I can be a hater, all those movies are great movies. <laughs> like, there's no yeah, way I like, would ever say that about those movies. I may not like Toy Story 3, but I'm not a fucking monster. Aladdin's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, I'm going to say something controversial. Not that. No, not that. Not no, that. no, no, no. Like, I'm, <laughs> Lion King? That movie's fantastic. That's a cinematic classic. I'm not even fucking touching that. Like, that's a great movie. <laughs> well, the, the whole thing is just like, why did you release it the same day as Beauty and the Beast? I know they didn't know how you know yeah. iconic it would be, but there's and Spielberg so... too. He probably was thinking like my name alone is going to carry this above some Disney thing, and Disney was starting to hit their stride. They hadn't like fully rode their stride yet. Well, no, they only so... had one massive. It was The Little Mermaid, which I mean, kind of propelled them back into being right. big league players. But you like, there's so few animated full-length features coming out at the time period why the fuck did same you day, decide yeah. the same day just like push it to closer to christmas at least when did they what did it, november it november 22nd 1991 maybe they're just trying to capture that fucking the thanksgiving, thanksgiving but yeah. you can't it's yeah, the same the, yeah same demographic going to watch this if, it, if i'm spielberg i'm gonna put out american tale a few weeks before not because, you know, to try to get a jump on them or anything, but you're going to make that money through Thanksgiving then. You know, from the first week you start through Thanksgiving, you're still going to get that money. Like, just come out two weeks before and you're solid. Or two like, weeks after. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of those those big movies, like, they're front-loaded. People see them in the first two weeks. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I just, I don't know. That was a that was a bad, bad idea. Bad call. The first film of this made a lot of money 84 million dollars that was the record for any non-disney animation at the time of course shrek i think owns yeah, it I now think shrek 2 yeah. actually is shrek the one. 2 so yeah. yeah one of them um like i said they made a zillion dollars yeah and this one with overseas and domestic 22 domestic 18 overseas made 40.7 so it they say it made its money back again it's very hard to tell how much this cost because two animation two full-length animated films were being made at the same time the same production company yeah. the same animation studios which kind of seems nuts over in london doing that yeah, but it's too hard yeah <laughs> uh you know it, it just it basically did half it did less than half of the first film and, yeah. and i think it has everything to do with one releasing it as the same day as beauty and beast dumbasses yeah and two it's just not as good it, it's perfectly acceptable now you have nostalgia for it and you love it more that's that's fine but i mean looking at this compared to the the first one it's not as iconic it's well, just not there it's funny i always bring up 
because when I when I look back at like early '90s movies, I bring up the City Slickers movies a lot because I saw two a lot more because it came out when I was younger, and mm-hmm. one came out before I was born. I saw two a lot, and I love two, and I've seen that one a ton. And it's like I've seen City Slickers one a few times. Not as many as two, but a few times. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably the better movie. But when I go to pop one in, what's it going to be? I'm going to put in two. That's the same way I feel about this. It's like, yeah, the first one might be like a better movie. But like, I love the second one. Because it's just like, yeah, it's what I'm going to rewatch over and over again or whatever. It's just it's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, when I... So I made a mistake and watched the first one on Mother's Day. And let me tell you, like, when he gets lost... And then he's searching for his family. And at the end of the movie, when he's hugging his family and they're, they're reunited and everything like that, you're like, fuck, I got to call my mom. Like, <laughs> like, it makes you feel it. Yeah. It, it just punches you in the gut. You're like, appreciate what you got, asshole. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's much, much more of like a serious film, uh, whereas this is the... Uh, universal attraction now did you see any of the uh sequels or spinoffs from this the tv series at all that lasted 13 episodes i've probably seen it on tv but wasn't something that i like was obsessed Mm -hmm. with or anything i didn't know there was two direct-to-video sequels for this uh they're on netflix like i said an american tale the treasure of manhattan island and an american tale the mystery of the night monster See, I thought there was only one more, so I'm learning something, and yeah. I had no idea what they were called. So I've obviously never seen them. I only thought there was one more. <laughs> Go figure. You yeah. think I would have watched one of those, but I just didn't have time. I would have watched if I if I would have thought about it. I would have watched uh, one of the episodes of the show because I bet I did watch. I bet I've seen that before. Uh, I got a note here, but the playground at Universal Studios. You want to tell your story? Yeah, no. So when I was a kid, obviously I loved this movie, and I I remember going to Universal and sort of wishing that the sewer scene was a ride, which it wasn't. Once I find found out there was a Fievel's Playland, I was like enamored, and uh, so I was probably I think it was five when we went there, yeah, yeah. and I played the shit through that thing and it was basically just like giant oversized statues of characters from there from the movie and then like a four kids western scape to run through that's all it was no wonder you like this film so much that i lived five yeah for a five-year-old that's like the greatest adventure ever right i got to play alongside fievel and i'm sure there was people like dressed as the characters as well as like the statues too and then like run through the western town how could I fucking not love this shit? They yeah. oh, and at the end of the at the end of the playland, there's the water tower, and it if you stand under there long enough, it dumps on you. Yeah, that's magical. That's, like, for a five year old, changes it, your yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know when you're 13, you want to get dumped with the slime in Nickelodeon, right. and, and when you're five, you want to get anything like that. Yeah, yeah, you get you get the water from the leaking thing cuz yeah. that's what it did. It leaked for a while and you wait long enough and yeah. then finally it dumps. Yeah, it was great. I loved Fievel's Playland. It was awesome. It's not there anymore. Did you play any of the American Tale video games that came no. out? And I didn't even know these came out. Uh, it had a tiger game. It also had a computer game and a Super Nintendo game. I was like, "What?" And then I saw they had a Game Boy advanced game called American Tale Fievel's Gold Rush that came out in 2002. I had to see that and looked it up on YouTube and I was like, what? That one, so okay, I didn't 
the Tiger game, the uh, computer game in the NES I've never heard of. I have heard of Five Gold Rush because I remember in 2002 when it came out and it was at like the GameStops or wherever we fucking bought games in 2002. I don't remember. I remember when that came out and I was like, oh, Five I remember that movie when I was like a kid and I was like, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever when that game came out. And I was like, oh shit, like they're still doing it. Good for them. Like I never played it or never saw it, but I like remember hearing that one coming out, but I never heard of the other ones. Neither did I. I, just, <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't realize that. I wouldn't think that this game would be something that you'd put on Super Nintendo. Yeah. I mean, Super Nintendo just didn't have a ton of bad games, and this seems like something that would go on the Nintendo, because that had numerous shitty titles. The the movies to game. Yeah. Train. Yeah. 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 So The soundtrack on this bad boy was really good, and yeah. uh, Dreams to Dream was nominated for a Golden Globe for a Best Original Song. Sadly, it went up on the wrong year because it lost to beauty and the beast uh now yeah. you know what don't fuck with angela lansbury because you're gonna lose that's what i was gonna say like i may choose this movie to watch over beauty and the beast any day because i like this kind of stuff however the songs are better in beauty and the beast not gonna argue there <laughs> yeah that's a that's a bad year to go up against like something like that because yeah. it's just Oh, man, you do not want to go up against the music in that. Yeah. But also, I get, while wow, you're you're so attached to this, like you said, when you're a five-year-old going to Universal, yeah, it's like you're reliving it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's and, nostalgia pull at its best. It just pulls you right in. Yeah, and you know what? Like I, like I was saying before, too, it, it, besides the nostalgia, I just go for stuff like this more than the prestige animation stuff. I just I like the more loose stuff that's just like what i like yeah but yeah fine. this yeah. also has the nostalgia factor as mm-hmm. well so of course i'm gonna like side yeah it. just like stacking the deck here yeah yeah i mean obviously let's come back with what's going in the museum and what's next this is the second time i've had to reclaim my property from you that belongs in a museum so do you this is the part of the show where we put something in the museum just like Indy did. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. For my portion of the museum, I'm going to put in the soundtrack to this bad boy because I think the soundtrack is like too good for this film sometimes. Even though I don't think this film's bad, like I've said. It's perfectly acceptable. But man, it's a really good soundtrack. The James Horner score is quite great. It's James Horner, right? This yes. Is this one? Yes. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, yeah, I really like it. his score in this. It's really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. There, there was parts in the movie where they were doing, like, transitioning, and you could hear the soundtrack in the background. This feels like a Disney score. The day I watched this uh, last week or whatever it was, the whole day I was, like, kind of, like, humming, like, the Western theme yeah. of this. Like, uh, it's stuck in my head. It's gone now. But, like, I was I was feeling it. I was definitely yeah, feeling it. I was feeling the music in this. Yeah, definitely. I wasn't being a total Grinch on this movie. (laughs) You know me. I always put something positive in for the most part, and I'm going to do it again here. I'm going to put in the... The scene which transitions the movie in from like super serious, depressing, like the first movie into theme park, and that is the water ride scene of the sewer. Because, for two reasons, this is the movie that sort of tickled, or the moment that tickled the uh, nostalgia bone. 
I was watching the movie, and I was like, God, I don't remember any of this. And I was like, it's so much chaos at the beginning. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I don't remember any of this. As soon as those motherfuckers got in the water, I was like, I remember everything. I remember this movie. I've ever seen it. I've seen it a hundred times. Like, I remember this now. And then like, I've awoken from my coma. Yeah. I know everything. Yes, yes. It, like, took me the, the beginning I was, like, struggling through. I was like, fuck, I don't remember any of this. I'm like, this is good, but I don't remember it. And then that moment happened, and it shot me back. And then second, like, just watching it now as an adult... I still want that to be like a theme park ride. <laughs> like it's a fun scene, and like the way the camera moves and dips and flows through that, it feels like a ride. And I was like, "Wow, man! I wish I like could ride. Th- I wish I could be in this." And it's like green sewer water, so it's gross. But I picture it as like this green like theme park water where it's fake and everything like that. And I would probably love it still today. The I'm, kid in me would come out for sure in that. I, I want to ride it right now. <laughs> so that's got to go. The the sewer ride is my museum pick for the... You know week. what part I remembered from kid watching this is the marionette. Oh, yeah. That was and, another one. And I was thinking so the same specific, thing. Yeah. I'm like, are these mice? Di-? I remember as a kid thinking, like, I don't think they're very smart. <laughs> I can tell that's a pup. You know, like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And like even as an adult I had the exact same feeling. I'm like, Come on guys. Half the body just went away. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a horrifying marionette though. If like I saw if yeah. I cuz it's life size to them. If I saw that like a person moving like that, I wouldn't think marionette. I would think nightmare creature. <laughs> it is a nightmare creature. And all those mice are desperate and dumb. Yes. <laughs> cuz <laughs> I was like that marionette just had a stroke. Half the body's not moving. <laughs> So that closes out your animation month. And man, it went quick. It did. We flew through these, uh, I think, varying degrees of enthusiasm for each of the films. But I think I think we found some good picks for this one to talk about. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the Extraordinary Tales at the beginning surprised me. Yeah. Uh, then we had Fern Gully. A nice nostalgia. Um, yeah. Just like dream. That was like, oh, okay, I remember that. And it's okay. And then G.I. Joe just kind of, like, liquefied my brain. Yes. And then this was a nice bounce back because it's kind of an even keel movie. And it's just like, oh, yeah. this is nice. <laughs> it's like we landed on a... After going through the hell that was trying to figure out G.I. Joe, now we just landed on a nice pillow yes. that spe- Steven Spielberg specifically made for us. Yes. And I love it. I love him for it. Uh, <laughs> this was nice. But this next month is going to be uh, June, and it's it's your pick. And what what are we what are we doing in June? I want you guys to imagine tall grass. You can't see anything, and then a face peers out with a bunch of teeth. It's Jurassic June, <laughs> and this fucker's gonna bite you. We we we're gonna kick off the month with Theodore Rex, which I feel like is just like the perfect thing to kick this off since we're such New Line geeks. I thought we'd be canon geeks, but we've turned into complete New Line geeks. It's because we lived through more of the New Line. True. New Line is basically the new canon, the new sort of uh, well, B. D- yeah, only like the 80s is kind of like the canon, the 90s is New Line, and then I can't really remember what 2000s were, but I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out yeah, in this podcast. there was something. Because yeah, that's, that's really the last of the VHS. Yeah, 2005, six was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good way to kick it off. Uh, what And then the second week, we're, we're telling them a mall, right? We're going to yeah, give it all? Yeah, give it a one. So the second week, we are doing Dinosaurs, a fun-filled trip back in time. And you might remember this claymation. I hope you do. Because I got myself an original Dinosaurs VHS. This is no reprint here. <laughs> Thank you, Brick-a-Brack. 
This is uh, this looks awesome. I can't wait to watch this. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I watched this. I rented this tape a lot as a kid, but I don't remember it at all now. So that'll be fun to rediscover. Our third movie is going to be one that you can find on YouTube. It is called Raptor Ranch. I think it actually has a new title now, but if you just Google Raptor Ranch, you'll find it on YouTube. It is a classic indie B film that Matt and I will thoroughly enjoy, and hopefully you do too. And we'll have a special guest on for that episode. And then the next week, we'll have Jurassic Park 3. Yes, because it's the one we had easily available on VHS. <laughs> yes, it's, it's very shiny. You could not not notice this VHS. <laughs> uh, and then we will end the month with Jurassic World 2, the fallen lost, I forgot the title, volcano film. Yes, I am so excited for this film. It's, I know I'm alone on this, but I don't care. Let me have this. Let it, me have this alone. It is like they said, fuck it, we're going full trash on this. Because the last trailer that I put up on the Facebook page, which, by the way, you can follow us on Facebook, is it just kind of like, ah, fuck it, it's going to be a buddy cop movie where Blue and him are running through and they're running away from a volcano and part of me the junk trash part of me is attracted to this while like the beauty and the beast side of me is like i would never watch that (laughs) well i don't have that side of me (laughs) i'm broken in that way so i am thoroughly excited for jurassic world and i'm sure i'm going to be extraordinarily disappointed so because the worst thing that movie could be is boring and that's what i'm afraid it's gonna be but my hope is that it's just trashy start to finish and i'm gonna love it so we'll see we'll see when we get there oh it better make a decision i if it's gonna be trash you be trash and yeah. you be own proud it. of it own it so that's our that's a jurassic month and i think it's gonna be really fun we've been picking stuff that like with like raptor ranch and uh jurassic world that we hope you'll be able to see before you know we talk about it and we're keeping the rest vhs because you know i know you guys like to watch them before we talk about them because we 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 have no filter for spoilers <laughs> so it, you know at least well in the new movies i at least we at least warn you yeah we warn you it's coming um, if you come to this podcast and you look at something that says an american tale five goes west vhs movie review and you can't figure out that we're going to spoil it what's wrong with you you <laughs> need to look inward that's on you not on us but uh yeah we'll we'll take apart those five movies and i'm excited to uh talk about all of them because i haven't seen i a couple of them i've never seen obviously and then some the other the other half of that is i haven't seen in so long that like i'm excited to go back and revisit oh yeah i mean animation month was so much fun and now we're just like going in a completely different direction and it's great yes you'd think we'd have a thread and just do we're back but no 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 that's too easy no. we're better than that no. plus i don't have that vhs <laughs> i do we can do it at some point but it'd be too easy if we did it now <laughs> it's, it would make too much sense yes and we don't do that here and fuck that fuck that that's boring <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you uh, next week for Theater Rex. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can also listen to us on Google Play now. Yay! Yay! I can listen to it on my Android. Of course, we've got Podbean, YouTube, Stitcher, all those things. And you can always, always follow us on Facebook and join the conversation. By the way, we have a Twitter, too. 
and apparently it releases like every episode. I have never once seen it. Cool. I don't know how to do Twitter, so you're on your own. <laughs> tweet, tweet, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> All right, take it easy. Remember to be kind. Rewind. <laughs>